I love the contrast of peace and busyness because we feel it. We feel the busyness, but we desire a sense of peace. But we live these lives that push us to these extremes of maybe this has happened to you or maybe you've been on the other side of this where you prepare a long text message, a significant announcement, something that you're incredibly excited about, and you send it out to your dearly loved ones, and the response you get back is K. Just the letter K. And I laugh about that because I get in trouble because the pace I run at, I often respond to my wife's message with the letter K, and she is like, I think you can afford the time to type the O as well. Let alone you go so extreme as to be O-K-A-Y and spit out the whole word, but you've got the time to give me a little bit more of a response to that. And she's right, but we live at this pace that makes it feel like we have to move so fast that when something significant happens in someone's life, our response to it is usually to push the thumbs up button. And in fact, we are so busy and we feel so busy and we feel so overextended, but then at the same time, studies are showing that we're consuming, this doesn't even make sense in my mind, 10 hours of media per day. When they look at advertising and phone time, all of those things together, you're consuming 10 hours worth per day. Just on our phones alone, studies are saying 5.7 hours of time per day looking at our phones. And baby boomers, we might, you, you guys might, I'm not in that category, I'm not that old, I know my hair is gray, but I'm not in there. You might say, well, that's the younger generation. Baby boomers are averaging five hours a day on their phone. Not that much better, 5.7 to five hours. And, and this is why I bring it up, because it's not that phones are bad or that social media is bad, but the stream of information that is coming in through those sources are crafting our attitude and the level of our hope and our expectancy and our fear, and most of those sources are not sources that we would want guiding who we're becoming as a person. 5.7 hours, that means about 58 times per day you pick up your phone to check it. That's the average, which means you're not going more than 15 minutes during your waking hours without at least looking at the phone each time. And I know that when you open your news feed of whatever social media or news organization you go to, what happens is you immediately see, oh man, that, that person had a loss in their family. Oh, there was a tragedy overseas. Oh, there was a tragedy here in the U.S. Oh, there was another car wreck close to home. And this is the thing. Your heart and your emotions were not designed to be able to carry the weight of all of the world's tragedies within a 10-hour block each day. And so your sense of peace has been diminished and diminished because all of these tragedies, and it's not that we should turn a blind eye towards them, but I just threw today, I want you to begin to recognize how much information is coming into your life that is shaping how you feel and how you see the world. That we should control. This is how much I am going to open myself up to emotional trauma per day. And that might sound like a strange way to say it, but that's what we're seeing in graphic videos, photography, and writing. So much of our heart has felt heavy, and there is so much fear that cripples our nation because of real things, real problems in politics, real problems in families, real problems in our city, But we need to have some wisdom 
about how much we allow into our life. Because there's moments where we need, we need to break away from that because God has not designed us to live in that type of fear and anxiety. He has designed us to live and operate with a sense of peace that is found in him. And so today we're going to study uh, a, a time of modeling from Jesus, that by his behavior, he was teaching us something that we should apply. And we're going to be looking into the gospel of Mark chapter one, and we come into the context where Jesus is just starting off his, his ministry, and, he, and he's in Galilee, and he had just miraculously healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And he, he had healed many, many people. And the passage actually right before we're gonna, where we're going to start reading, it says that the entire town had begun to gather around where Jesus was. I mean, it was an incredibly successful day. He had gained influence. I mean, he had gone viral in that place. Like, everybody knew what was going on with him. And everybody wanted to be there and see it. And people were bringing those who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and Jesus was working miracles. It, it was a day unlike any other day in that city. And at the end of that day, when the next day was going to start, that, that's when we pick up in Mark, Gospel of Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and we'll put this up on the screen. It says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon, Simon Peter and, and the others went out to find him. When they, when they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, We must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Now, as we begin to look into and study this passage, I want to just begin to put a question on your head for yourself. Do I know what my soul needs? Like, like when my soul is in need of something, when me as a person, it, it feels like something is wrong within the inner being of who I am, when my soul feels upset and anxious, can I hear that happen? Because when we think of that, we think of the worst days. Like the worst days, I know I need to go cling to God because terrible things have happened. But what we see here in what Jesus is modeling on one of the best of days, I mean, God's love for us, I mean, he loved us so much that he sent his son. Like Jesus, he was the personification of love in human flesh. I mean, he was light. He loved each of these people dearly that he healed that day. And there were people the next day that he did not stay and heal, and he loved them dearly too. He has an incredible care for them that, that surpasses what we know. But even with that level of love and care and concern for these people, there was part of him that said, you know what, with this amazing, successful day that was behind me, I need to go be alone with my Heavenly Father. I mean, it says that he went off to an isolated place. And I want to just prompt your mind with, the, with this question of if Jesus, after one of the most successful days, not just a bad day, not a terrible day, not a day where things got wrecked, where a day was great, he said the next day, I need to go off by myself and be with my heavenly father. And if he modeled for us a need to be alone with his heavenly father in prayer, how much more so are we in need of those moments? I mean, this is the introvert's like, like dream verse right here, like get away from the crowds and go off to an isolated place by yourself. I mean, not just to be by yourself, but to pray. But I want to tell you that if Jesus needs times like that, how much more does your soul need times like that? And if we're averaging, looking at our phone, 
every 15 minutes. If we're averaging getting updates about people that we went to middle school and high school with and that we will never see again, but we know all about the trauma that's happening in their marriage because they posted all over Facebook. If we have all of these floods of information throughout our mind every single day for, for days, weeks, months, upon years, and you have this steady flow of difficult things to know about, how much more so do you need to create space? Because I know we don't even have time to type the word okay out. We don't have time to just sit and think about things. But Jesus is showing here. And what did they say to him when they found him? And they said, everybody's looking for you. Everybody needs you. Everybody has things for you to do. And Jesus broke away off by himself to be with his heavenly father. And I want to tell you, you were designed on purpose. You were not designed to carry the weight of the world all the time. You were designed to experience peace that is found in Christ. And you need to create space to allow your soul to experience that. And we're, the series that we're starting, some of the material is coming from Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. A lot of you guys like to read a book at the beginning of the year because, man, goals, beginning of the year, lose weight, read books, get smarter, get everything better. Um, start here. It's a very good read. He's a great author. You guys might know him from one of his books, Wild at Heart. Um, But we're following this. And the place that he starts in the next five weeks are going to be awesome. The the series, I'm pumped for it. Next week um, is about benevolent detachment. It sounds so churchy and fancy, but it's going to be helpful for letting things go. But I believe all of the things that we're going to get into in the next few weeks, they depend on us beginning to create space for God to work in our life. And the way that he recommends starting that is what, what, with what he calls a one-minute pause. Now look, if you are advanced in your pray, prayer life and you pray for 30 minutes, hours on end, that's awesome. I want you to keep going with that. And maybe at the beginning of it, you might want to add this specific prayer. But I know so many of us, we've been running at a pace where there is no time to just sit and talk to God. There's no time to just care for our soul. And I want you to start, and the way that he recommends starting is with this one-minute pause. And this is the interesting thing about it, because when we think of beginning our prayer life, we begin, okay, we've got to start knowing what we're praying for. We've got to ask God to do miracles. And he says, don't start there. Start with something that is going to help heal what's been happening in your soul. And, and he, he gives us this prayer, and it's sim- simply this. God, I give you every one and everything. To start part of our day with this simple prayer of God, I give you everyone and everything. It's this act of beginning to say, all of my fears about the political state of our nation, I give them to you for 60 seconds. All of the problems in my family, I give them to you for 60 seconds. All of my concerns about finances, I give them to you for 60 seconds. And if you're, you know, you don't have to be too worried because if you just give them up to God for 60 seconds, I'm sure that you'll find them later. Like, I'm sure they'll come back to you. You'll figure out where you put them. You'll find them. But for 60 seconds of your day, I want you to begin with this sense of, I have emptied everything out and given it to God and I trust it into his hand. And this is going to begin to create space for your soul to feel some peace. And when we say, you know, this book is titled Get Your Life Back, some of you guys need to get back to that place of closeness with God where where you can sense him speaking to you and guiding you by his Holy Spirit in your soul. You can sense that. Some of you guys need to enter that place for a first time. But I think there's a sense of there's a life we've been wanting to live, but we've been missing it. This is a great starting point. 
this is the point that is going to begin to allow space for these next weeks to happen. And so today's message is pretty easy. I'm going to reaffirm this through the next couple points, but I, I am going to try to ask you, pressure you, encourage you to, to schedule 60 seconds, one minute. Steal one minute from scrolling your Facebook feed. Steal one minute from when you're leaving the drive and pull over at the side of your neighborhood so that you're out of the driveway so the kids can't find you and you just take one minute and just pray that prayer of peace. God, I give you everyone and everything. I entrust it into your hands. And live in that for 60 seconds. And I think that you might find it's a little bit addicting, like, like this sense of knowing that God is in control. It, it, it encourages me. It helps me parent better. It helps me do better at my workplace. Like if I will just grab onto that sense of peace that I know that God has for me, I think it's going to help you. And I think that also you'll run into times like what, what Jesus had uh, in verse 36. It says that later Simon and the others went out to find him. And I think that as we read that verse, every mother of small children is like, I feel you, Jesus. Like, like you're trying to get a minute alone and here they all come. Like, you know, the little eye poking under the bathroom door, sticking their fingers in, saying, what are you doing? I'm in the bathroom. What do you think? Leave me alone. Like, like things chase after us. And if you're in that season of life, I know that it's hard to get away. Like the, the, the kids, you can't just get rid of them. You can't just put them outside. Like it's hard to find time, but we have to craft this space because if we don't, we're just going to continue to feel weighed down and it's going to continue to impact the way we parent. If we, if we don't do this before work, it's going to continue to make us more agitated with the people that we work with. And, and so we have to create it, and this is the thing that other people may not understand. Just the way that young children, like, I wonder what the conversation is going to be like when my children are grown, how they talk about the way that we try to raise them. And I say try, because we are trying. Like, we don't have it figured out by any means. But what is it going to be like? Because, you know, right now when we go on date night, you know, there's always a kid crying. Because they don't understand. And it's like, well, and we try to explain to them, in order for us to parent you the best, we have to stay crazy in love with each other. Like, we have to prioritize our relationship because for us as parents, it's built on the foundation of our marriage. Like, we need to understand what is the foundation and what is being built. Because so many people come to me and they want advice. Okay, what's a quick tip for me to fix all these problems that I've built over a course of years? And it's like they want to change their outcomes, but they don't want to change their behaviors that are causing them. And we need to identify, you know, one of the things of being a good parent is having a solid marriage. One of the things of having a solid marriage is having a solid relationship with Christ. And that really is the foundation for our whole life. The, the, the Apostle Paul, as he was writing to the church, he described it this way as he would plant churches. He says, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. The foundation is Christ alone. And whatever is built on there will be tested on that day to show what it is and what it is worth. And so when we have a life that is supposed to be built upon the foundation of Christ, we can't build on it with deceit. We, we can't build on it with lies. We can't build on it with hiding. We can't build on it with fear. And so there's a certain way that a life is supposed to be lived for Christ. There's a way that your marriage is supposed to be lived and there's a way that you're supposed to parent. And I want to say all of those, that, that foundation is that relationship with Christ that is personally known. Not a God that is out there, but there, a God that is here, that is moving, that is active with me. And if our soul has become numb to everything that happens because there's so much trauma that we have allowed in, we're going to miss out on our closeness with Christ, which is going to cause a callousness towards everyone else as well. Because a true love and affection for other people is going to be strengthened out of your relationship with God. And so, when Simon and the others went to find him, it's, and they said, everyone has been looking for you. He, 
he's there and they don't understand why. Why are you missing all of the work? Well, you know what? All of that work depends on the relationship between the son and the father. All of the things that, that pressure you, to, that you want to do them well, I want to tell you, they, they, their success really depends on you caring for this relationship between you and Christ first. The soul, I like the way that C.S. Lewis describes it in The Problem of Pain. He says, the soul is but a hollow which God fills. Now, if God is supposed to be filling us, why have we allowed so many other things that are contrary to God to just continue to pour into our heart, pour into our mind, pour into our life over and over to where it has choked out really any constant stream of the word of God, any constant communication between us and our heavenly father through prayer. If the soul is supposed to be filled with him, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says it this way, and we'll put it up on the screen. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. We're like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our power is from God and not from ourselves. Once again, the life of the Christian should be empowered by this presence, this fact that God dwells in us and with us. It doesn't, his power doesn't come from our busyness. His power doesn't come from us shouting above, above other voices. His power works from within us and that power, it walks with us, it is present with us through trials and I believe that we understand that he's with us by time spent with him. And I understand it just, it can be so difficult to add a spiritual practice into your life if you haven't done it ever or for a long time. It can feel risky. It could feel like a risk of embarrassment. But I want to tell you that God has a greater sense of peace for you that is gonna be found in your relationship with him but you've got to take a practical step. I mean, just as practical as Jesus went on a walk to get away from the other people. You need to do something practical to follow the scriptural, spiritual truth to create space. And so here's one of the applications. There's lots of, maybe it is go, going and taking a walk and you say, I'm going to take a walk and during my walk, I'm just going to pray that. I'm not going to ruminate and think about anything else. I'm just going to pray that prayer. God, I give you everyone and everything. And I'm going to unload all of my stress to God for 60 seconds or for however long my walk is. I'm going to do it that way. Some of you guys might need to set an alarm on your phone that at the beginning of your day at 8.59 before you start work, it's going to beep. You're going to take 60 seconds. You're going to go off to the side and you're going to spend that time just giving God everything before you start your work day. And then at 5.01 when your work day is over, your phone can beep again, give you another 60 seconds before you get home and you're with your spouse or you're with your friends or you're with your kids. And it helps create that space where once again you entrust everything to his hands. But we have to have a starting point in our prayer life in the way that we walk with our relationship with God. And I believe this and I know this, that if you start there, you're gonna slip into two, three, five, ten minutes. And it's gonna become like a source of water that quenches a thirst that you had been ignoring for so long. And so we have to create interruptions in the busyness, interruptions in the request. There's so many people that wanted his attention, but he knew in order to be effective where he needed to be, which brings me to, to the next part of the passage that, that I want to be a thought that's close to your heart. When, they, when, when other people had an agenda for what Jesus should do that day, 
Jesus was already clear on what he needed to do. They said, you need to go back to the town. There's so many people looking for you, so many people who need to be healed. And he said, we have to go somewhere else. God has somewhere else for us to be right now. I mean, to go back to the passage in verse 38, it says, but Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. He knew what his mission was about. He knew what his calling in that day was about. And I want us as a church, as households, as individuals to know this is what God has called us to focus on in this season. Some of you right now, the thing that God wants you to focus on in this season is we need to get out of debt. We need to get our finances under control. Some of you guys, in this season, we need to pour God's love into our children, and that is our calling. That is our focus. Some of you in this season, it's our neighbors. God needs to bring his message through us to our neighbors, and we're going to reach out, and that is our calling. That is our focus this season. It's our marriage. We need to repair years of not paying attention to the way that we lived our lives near each other, but we weren't living them together, and now we're going to repair that. God has a calling for you in this day. So many things will try to pull you away from it, and you need to be aware of it. What is God calling you to focus on in this season? And so as they began to ask him, he said, no, we're going to other places, which just is this concept that I think is, is helpful, that we, we don't want to confuse what you could do with what you should do. Because there's a lot of things that you could do, but there's only a few things that you should be doing. And I think every family has a person that when you're trying to get out the house and you're trying to go somewhere, they're like, okay, I know that we're late, but I just need to finish cleaning out my closet. Like, it's a good thing. Like, I need to get it done. And it's like, this is not the time for that thing. Like, that's a good thing, but that's not what we should be doing. We should be going. It's like, okay, all the kids are hungry right now, but I need to finish telling all the people on Facebook that are strangers to me why they're wrong. And I need to finish handling this 400-count message to them that doesn't really matter, but it feels important. There's things that we could be doing and things that we should be doing, and we need to be just stuck to the calling that God has placed on our heart. And I hear echoes of Luke 19, 10 in the way that Jesus responded to them, that, that he says, I know, you know, I'll preach to them too, and that is why I came. I mean, Luke nineteen ten is where it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. One of the purposes that always reigns within the life of the church in some way or another is seeking after those who are far, to, far from God so that they know that they can be brought close through Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, and his resurrection from the grave to give them new life. And that is part of the life of every believer. And, and there's echoes of that in here. And we need to know what we're about. We need to know what our mission is about. And it seems like such a simple thing, but man, it just seems like these days, these months, these years have pulled us so far from that lifestyle. So the entry point, the entry point that I want you to take this week is just carving out one minute twice a day and beginning to just give all of the things that are present on our mind over to God. We need to receive from him. We need to feel connected. We need to follow his ways. We need to live our life in balance because I think that one of the strategies that I've seen to bring a Christian down is just make them busy with too many good things as well. And I'm not even saying that, you know, there, there, there's lots of opportunities to do good. There's lots of opportunities to do good within the church to volunteer. You need to know what God has called you to do for this season. And you need to do it with excellence. There's opportunities right now of things that we should be doing. And we need to follow after them. And so what does God want you to do? What does God want you to do right now? 
Well, I know for a fact, for every one of us in this room, God wants to be in close relationship with us. And Band, if you guys make your way up, I'm going to begin to close this thing out. And I, I want to just illustrate this, this thing that I'm asking you to do with this box, that if this, this were to represent your mind, and maybe, maybe it's a man's mind, maybe it's a woman's mind, I, I, I don't know, but it's filled with, with stuff. And I, I know that as we go through our days, a lot of times the, the dirty laundry from the past is right there ever present. And the mistakes and the guilt, it's like it's right there. And, and it feels like it's in the way. And so for this 60 seconds each day, for, for this pause that we're going to take, I, I want you to take all of that, that dirty laundry, all of the mistakes, all the worries, all the things that you think would keep you from getting close to God, and I just want you to put it aside for 60 seconds. Um, uh, the things that you know, have tied you down, tied you up, I want you to just take them and throw them to the side. All, all, all the things about, you know, I, I should get in shape. It's the beginning of a new year. I, I should be in the best shape of my life. I want to take all those concerns about the way that your body looks, and I want you to put them from the, to the side for a minute. All the ways that you've measured yourself against other people and other times, I want you for 60 seconds take those thoughts and put them away. All the games that other people are playing in your life, all of your thoughts about your thoughts. You have buckets within buckets of your thoughts about your thoughts that are messing with your mind, and you need to put them from the side. The way and the things you should eat, the fact that you should brush better and floss your teeth better, all all of those things, I just want you to just dump it to where this is the picture that you see, that this is the purpose of your prayer, of your 60 seconds, that everything that is in my heart and in my mind has been emptied out because I am praying this prayer. God, I give you everyone and everything. My loved one that my, my heart is breaking for because what's happening in their life, I give them to you right now. They're not on my shoulders to help, to carry because I can trust them into your hands. My future that feels shaken. I'm not worrying about it right now. I know that I just need to be alone with my heavenly father. That if Jesus needed this, I know I need it so much more. And for 60 seconds, just create a peace where you remind yourself of the truth that has always been there. That God has this. I can trust him with it. And then when you're done, you might find yourself picking some of these up. Like, I, I do need to get rid of my muffin top, and you know, I've got to get in shape. And, but you might also find, oh, I forgot to put some of those things back in, and that's okay. And the more that we give things over to God, I think the less of them you'll find yourself taking back. I think the more peace that you'll find. I think the more you'll recognize what your soul has been crying out for, was the closeness of Christ in your life. Not, not another spark from interesting news, not, not another person's opinion, not, not showing someone else that they were wrong on Facebook. Those weren't the things that my soul really needed. My soul needed a close relationship with my heavenly father. And, and so I'm gonna keep my eyes on him. I understand waves come up and it's like I'm doing great and then I focus on the waves instead of focusing on him. And I begin to sink, but he is so good that he grabs me by my right hand and he lifts me back up. That Jesus was the example of peace. That in the middle of a storm, he is there taking a nap while everybody else is sleeping. He has perfect peace. He has no worries. And as you see him more and more clearly in your life, you will recognize I can have the peace of God through any storm. He doesn't promise that I get to avoid the storm. He promises that I can have peace through it. But there's a choice that you have to make. What will you allow to fill your life? You're like a vessel. Will you be filled with the Spirit of God or will you be filled with the fears of the world?
I want to invite you. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to pressure you. Begin to make that space. Because God has something better for you. And our city needs a church that is hearing God's voice and following his steps. Let's pray together. See, even now, just from your heart, God, I give you everyone and everything. Every fear, every failure, every regret, every concern about the future. I empty them out into your hands right now. Lord, wake our souls up with the peace that is only found in Christ so that we can hear what we should do in this season so we can see your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name.